0: Hebrews chapter 11, I'll start in verse 7 and read down to verse 11. There are two people there that the preacher holds up for us to see. Noah and Abraham. Sarah gets a mention in, in verse 11, but we're going to spend most of our time on these two, Noah and Abraham. Grass with us and the flowers, faith, the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 7. <clears throat> by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Let's pause there. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, that you will speak to your people by the power of your word. We ask that the Holy Spirit would apply this to our hearts. And for men and women here that need encouragement and renewal, God, I pray that you would bring a, a nuisance of returning to you. God, we pray for conviction and the joy that comes from bring, being brought near to you. Lord, save people and restore people in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Sunday morning is for Hickory Grove gathering together. Sunday. Sunday, Hickory Grove gathers for worship. But what do we do on Saturday? Yesterday. What happens on Saturdays? We know what we do on Sunday. We come together to worship the Lord. What happens on Saturday? Saturday, we live by faith. <clears throat> Yesterday, members of Hickory Grove Baptist Church were scattered all around this region. And as they were scattered, you were living by faith. Some got together and were trained for foster care with the possibility of helping out children that need homes. Some went out to UNCC and helped college students move in in the name of Jesus, did so with Hickory Grove shirts on. Some went to weddings, some sang at a wedding. Some members of Hickory Grove had to go to a funeral home and plan a funeral. Some, some members of Hickory Grove Baptist Church took their child to college, dropped them off with a tear in your eye and joy in your heart. Some members of Hickory Grove are trying to figure out how to, to, how to care for aging parents. Some spent time with their children teaching uh, godly manhood and womanhood. Others had a really dark weekend. It was, it was hard. You worried and prayed and, and hoped for better days. Some, some in this room yesterday really was just just time with the family, or you had a really hard week and it was nice just to rest. I would suggest that every, everything I've mentioned and more has been done in faith. It's what Christians do. We live our lives minute by minute as people of faith. Now, not just any faith, I don't want to be vague, we need to be clear, not just any faith, but a faith in a holy God who's given us Jesus Christ, who lived and died in our place on a cross, faith that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, faith that we have been adopted by God the Father through Christ and the power of the Spirit, faith that the Spirit of God Carries us through. Living by faith. That's what chapter 11 of Hebrews is about. It's what the preacher does. The preacher is writing this to his church. A church that needed to be encouraged. And so the preacher is coaching his people to be strong. And he does so by listing out people of faith from the Old Testament. He's coaching his people to be strong. to, To hold on. To rejoice in the everlasting love of God. That's that's what I want to do today. I just want to take this passage. This is what the Bible should do. I want to take this passage and hopefully use it to fill your heart with confidence. Not in your ability, but confidence in the overwhelming love and grace of God, The, the pure, sustaining affection that God Almighty has for His children that He has purchased by the blood of Jesus. Now, to do that, what the preacher does is he just holds up two. Three if you count Sarah, but he holds up, he holds up Noah and Abraham, holding them up as examples of God's grace that's shown through faith. And he does that as a, it's a powerful reminder of how good it is To put your faith in Jesus. And what happens when you actually do turn from sin and turn to Christ. I want to remind you today that by God's grace, (coughs) that by God's grace you're going to make it. That faith, if you'd like to write things down, that faith in Christ will see you through. Let's just take, let's take two of them, let's hold them up, and let's learn some things. Let's start with Noah. It's in verse 7. and what you'll, know, what you'll see out of his life is, number one, faith believes God. What does faith do? Faith believes God. Let's read verse 7, and uh, let's just do something with it. Join me there in verse 7. <clears throat> by faith, Noah, being warned by God, Concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world. He became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now think about the context that Noah lived in. A lot of you know the Bible. You know where this is. It's back in Genesis chapter 6. And if you think back to where he lived, what was going on in Genesis chapter 6... Why did God send a flood? Why did God tell Noah to build an ark? I've seen the replica in Kentucky. It's humongous. Why did God tell Noah to build an ark, get his family and the animals in it? Well, if you rewind all the way back to Genesis chapter 6, listen to the depravity. Listen to what I'm I'll just read it for you. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In other words, it was bad. God saw that it was terrible. He decided to start over. we got Adam and Eve as our first parents. we had got an, an, another set coming because all of humanity, be careful what you do with... Um, Noah and the ark and make it beautiful with the rainbow. Don't forget now, it is the most cataclysmic, devastating flood on record, killing thousands of people, wiping out all of humanity, saving only a handful. God told Noah, you build an ark to save yourself and your family. And the writer of Hebrews, he's reaching back into Genesis chapter 6 and he's taking this story to teach us about faith. What does it look like? To be men and women of faith. What does faith do? Well, faith, faith accepts, faith accepts God's word in verse 7. Accepts God's word. God spoke to Noah, and Noah, in verse 7 tells us, Noah was warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Warned by God concerning things ahead that he doesn't really know. Yet unseen. All Noah had to go on was what God had said to him. And by faith, Noah believed it. There's a good chance that Noah had never seen rain. He'd never seen water rise that high. He didn't know what an ark was. He didn't even know how to build it. He lived in a world, he lived in a world that had manifestly rejected God. He lived in a world that had completely rebelled against all of God's good intention. He lived in a world just like ours. In fact, when you read Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, that could very well describe the world that we actually live in. If it were not for the rainbow, the rainbow promises that God would never send a worldwide flood again. If it were not for the rainbow, this morning at 4 o'clock when thunder and lightning hit our house and it started raining so hard, I mean, it's a legitimate concern. Maybe the Lord is going to flood the earth again. My dog thought that, that was going on. My dog is all, I mean, that that dog hates thunder and lightning. And he was scared to death. And it really, we probably should be reminded. When you think about every storm, it ought to be a reminder of the very worst one that ever happened. All Noah had to go on was what God had said to him. And by faith, Noah believed it. Is that, is that where you are? That you have God's word, you know what it says, and you believe it. Do you believe what God has said? Let me back up and say, most people in America would say they believe in God. Most people in America would say they believe in the Christian God as described in the Bible. Most of you here if not all, believe in that God. That God has revealed Himself in the Bible, His Word. Most of you sitting here would accept you believe in the authority of the Bible. You know what faith does? Faith accepts God's Word. God's Word tells us that that the God of creation is a holy God. God's Word is very clear about sin and what sin does to your relationship to God and those around you. How it fractures families, hurts communities. God's Word is very clear on on what our need, what is our major need, what is it we need the most. and That is the saving knowledge and, and redemption found in Jesus. God's Word is very clear on the state of the world, the world that we live in. God's word is clear on the future. God's word is clear on you as a man or a woman. God's word is is clear on on what it means to actually be a Christian using words like being born again. That, That God, when we pray for people that are not saved, what do we pray? We're asking God to move in the heart of that person. We're asking God to open open his eyes so that he might see the goodness of God and the the terribleness of his sin. Do we actually believe what the Bible says about the love of God, about this good God? You see, faith accepts. Noah accepted what God told him. Faith accepts God's word. Faith does something else. You'll find it in verse 7 as well. Faith fears. Faith Fears God's holiness. Fear is something, the fear of God, I'm afraid, has been massaged out of most churches, but it still remains in the Bible, and we should take a look at it. Notice what the text says in verse 7. Join me there. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. I would circle that phrase, reverent fear. It translates a word that you'll only find one time in the entire Greek New Testament. So to get a good definition, since you don't have anything to compare it to in the Greek New Testament, you've got to go outside and you find out in classical Greek that it really does mean something like this reverential, almost emotional fear. Affected by the majesty of God. You know what this is? This is a thinking, this is a thinking man's, this is a thinking woman's reaction to God. When you think about God and all of his godness, you stand in dumbstruck awe. When you think about the power of God, Noah heard this from God, and the Bible says that in reverential fear, he built the ark. He he obeyed. Faith has this this fear of God's holiness. When you think about the love of God, sometimes when we talk about fear, we always talk about wrath and and terrible things. The love of God, how could he love with such intent? Or you think about the wrath of God, or you think about the... Or if you think about the grace of God, that He's allowed you to draw air and receive nourishment and live another day, even though you are in outright rebellion. Or if you think about the active sovereignty of God, when we use the sovereignty of God, we oftentimes think about, okay, God is in control, but He's just sort of sleeping at the wheel. When we talk about sovereignty, what we mean is the active, intricate involvement of a good God in your life. When you think about the future... When you think about the future, when you, think about, when you think about the gospel, faith fears God's holiness. And if you are standing outside of God's grace or you're living in such a way that, that you are, are bringing, you are bringing shame to the name of Christian, the gospel becomes so beautiful because you think about what you deserve and yet what we are given in Christ, you think about Jesus taking the wrath of God for you, it, it makes you want to stand in, in dumbstruck awe. You see, faith faith not only accepts what the Bible says, God's Word, faith fears God's holiness. I'll give you something else to roll around in your mind a little bit. In verse 7, faith faith lives for God's glory. Faith lives for God's glory. Take another look at verse 7 and I'll read it and it's right near the end. Not all the way at the end but almost there. Verse 7. By faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear we talked about that constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this, what he did by this he condemned the world. Now pause there. By this he, Noah, Condemned the world. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that Noah condemned the world? Did he stand up on the bow of the ark and tell him, all you people down there, "Y'all are going to hell"? Now, he might have felt like saying that. There that doesn't any indication that he did that. What did it mean? What does it mean to condemn people? How did he condemn the world? Well, when you read the story of his life. He condemned the world by his own example, living out his faith, doing what God had told him to do. Because of that, living in light, it showed all the darkness even more dark. He condemned the world by his faith in God's warning. He actually believed what God said, and then he responded to what God told him to do. And doing so, it went against everything the world around him in Genesis 6 was doing. He condemned the world by his awe of God's holiness. He condemned the world by his trust in God's justice. Do you trust that God will finally give justice? He trusted that it wasn't up to him. His job was to be obedient and God would bring justice. He condemned the world by his unwavering obedience to the word of God. He condemned the world. I mean, it took him 120 years to build the ark. He condemned the world by his long lifetime of faithfulness in the face of a world that is going the opposite direction. This is where you find yourself, honestly. Noah stood alone in the middle of a hostile world. Now, sometimes a preacher will use that story in Genesis 6 and say that Noah was building the ark, and he was being ridiculed for what he was doing, people were making fun and all that. Maybe so. We don't know that. What we do know is that he stood alone. There is no evidence that he received any kind of support from anybody except his family, maybe. And it, and it got me to thinking, this is one of the gifts of the church. It's great to come together. Sunday mornings, we come together, gather, we sing. It is, should be honoring to the Lord, read the Bible. But you know what else we get? A secondary cause for Sunday is the support. As a reminder that, that you are part of a, of a body, of a family, giving support to brothers and sisters as we joyfully live our lives in this hostile world but we joyfully live our lives to the glory of God now in this passage in regard to this passage look our job is not to stand and condemn the world stands condemned already you go and read John John chapter 3 verse 16 it's the beautiful John 3:16 keep reading Jesus in verse 17 then verse 18 Jesus says that the world stands condemned. A.W. Pink, when he looked at this passage, A.W. Pink said, We cannot convert the wicked, yet we must be careful to set before them such an example of personal piety that they are left without excuse. They will see their sin and will come to faith in Jesus, the Redeemer, who died to save sinners. I'll just add one more thing about Noah before I go on to verse 9. Noah's life was a visible challenge to the society around him. And because of that, the society around him faced a choice. Noah's life was a visible challenge to the ongoing society. Just like if you're a believer in Jesus, your life becomes a visible challenge to the world around you and because of that, the people around you then have a choice that leads to their own condemnation. The people that heard Noah and watched his life, they were rejecting the divine warning by their own unbelief. Look, we're... Where faith is resisted, let me speak to every person here that is not convinced of being a Christian. But you've heard the gospel a hundred, maybe a thousand times. Or maybe you claimed to be a Christian, but there's something in your life that, that makes it look as if you are not. Where faith is resisted and rejected, it always leads to condemnation. But the Bible says Noah... Received grace as an heir. You see, faith believes God. And that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to actually believe God. That's Noah. Let's go over and see what Abraham teaches us. Here's the second thing you'll notice in verses 8, 9, and 10. And that is that faith obeys God. We look at Noah's life and we see that faith believes God. Let's look at Abraham's life and find out that faith actually obeys God. Now, you could could do a whole lot with Abraham. I mean, my goodness, he is called Father Abraham. But what we notice most, and you get a lot of material here in in Hebrews, we'll come back to Abraham again next week, that that faith obeys God, but I would just put another word. Faith obeys God regardless. Verse 8 tells us the remarkable story of Abraham that comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Verse 8 sort of encapsulates it. Let me read it for you in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. If you wanted to read it in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it's the story that uh, uh, God called to Abraham and said to him, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, that which you know, and go to the place that I'll tell you where to go. So just think about what he had to do. <clears throat> what does what being obedient make us do oftentimes? Abraham had to leave home. We love about home. Ready to go home. Be on vacation, still want to come home. We know where things are. If you grew up in a place, you're familiar with it. You know where all the cut throughs are, you know the shortcuts. You, You live in a certain community, you understand the culture. Home. Or family. It's hard to leave family. Don't want to leave your parents or your children. If you move away from your parents, it, it can be, especially for, for missionaries that are going to be gone for a long time with no real hope of coming back soon, it can feel as if it's a mini funeral. If you're going away to school, that's why we, we or you, cry when you do that. I rejoiced. Or, or friends, Why do we, it's, it's so hard to leave friends because it takes time to build friendship and And something special about friendship is that the people that are your friends accept you. They know you. They understand your idiosyncrasies and they still accept you. They they understand your your sense of humor. You see, obedience, oftentimes it's, it's personal and it's costly. You've heard people say you should never put blind faith in anything or anyone. I would say, yes, that's true, except we are called to put that kind of faith, an unseeing faith. I mean, when you think about Abraham's life in in Genesis chapter 12, he walks into the future. Now look, he had no real confidence about that which awaited him. He didn't know what he would face. He didn't know how he would make it. All he knew was God is there and God is good. And I wonder if that's enough for you. Because for some of you sitting here right now, right now, you actually dread the future because you can can think about all of the terrible possible outcomes that, that may come about. And if you think about all those terrible possible outcomes... It can really cause some personal anxiety. And I'm just asking you, there's some lessons here to learn from Abraham's life. But but the lesson, I should say the big lesson, is about obeying God as you walk into the future, knowing that God is there and God is good. Now, we could categorize... How would you categorize your obedience to God? I might suggest a few categories. One is your own personal obedience. You obeying God, personally obeying God. You actually, your individual hard life, doing what God has called you to do, doing it without complaint, doing it joyfully, receiving what God has given you, and actually, personally, you yourself, not looking at someone else, you actually personally obeying God. I would say you could put it in the category of immediate obedience. That that you have lived long enough and, and by God's grace have followed Christ enough that obedience becomes your default action. It becomes that you have some muscle memory, something happens and you actually immediately obey. I would say that there should be this unseeing obedience. To know that the future is uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen the next day or the next. What's going to go on next month. In fact, from where you're standing, it doesn't feel like things are great. And yet, you're drawing strength on the grace of God, following through what God has called you to do. I would say there's there's some of you here that should have a daring obedience. What I mean by that is... that God is calling you to be unusually counterculture. Our culture is going one way. You define it how you like it. And God is saying for you to go completely counter to that. I'd like to add another. <clears throat> and that is influential obedience. Let me show you where I get that. It's in verse 9. In verse 9, look who else is mentioned in verse 9. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Influence. Isaac and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now we talk a lot about Father Abraham. He gets a lot of press. But the truth of the matter is the people of Israel come out of his grandson, Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Father, son, and grandson. As an aside here, there are enough people in this church right now. We need to take personal responsibility for the young men and women at Hickory Grove. There ought to be someone, if you are walking with the Lord as an adult man or an adult woman, there ought to be someone, a young person that God has put on your mind and heart, that you will text and encourage I got convicted of this Thursday night when I was uh, listening to Carl Truman. I didn't understand everything he said, but I got a lot of it. I got it convicted of, hey, we, we need to make sure that we're providing influence. Or you know what, where else it hit me? Friday night, Hickory Grove Christian School had a football game, standing out there at the field, looking at uh, not just the players and the coaches, but families and young men and women I mean, I never had a mentor. I didn't need one. I had a dad. But life is harder now. The world's different than it was 30 years ago. There are enough Christian men here. There's such a crisis in, in, in men. There, there are enough Christian men here to actually invest and influence so that it's not just you walking with the Lord. You're reaching back, bringing somebody with you. A challenge that um, everybody here ought to have somebody that's 20 years younger. Maybe you're not that old, 10 years younger. There there are enough Christian women here. 30 years, somebody that's... I want our students, I want our young people, our kids to know that there is an affectionate, loving, Christ-centered support system And that you and I, as adult men and women, are having a gospel influence. I I, I need to close as we're going to prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper in a little while. But just give me one more. Just one more facet of obedience down in verse 10. And that is a hope driven obedience. Hope driven. Let me read verse 10 to you. The text says, He was looking forward. He was looking forward. So this is about heaven the new new Jerusalem, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, two words, whose designer and builder is God. Take a look at those two words, designer, he's pointing us to future glory, future glory. Look, brothers and sisters, there is a certain quality of faith that there's a certain quality of faith that finds stability in that which Is other than the material, than your home and money and job and relationships and good future, that you find stability in Christ. Here, here in verse ten, is this confident viewing of the future. In fact, we're given two words that describe God. Go back with them to verse ten. Do you see the words? The first one is the design. God is the designer. That's uh, similar to our word, architect. He has the blueprints. He's written out the plan. Architect knows where all the hidden structure is. I can't look at a blueprint and read it. I don't care anything about it. I am glad somebody follows it to make the structure right. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm glad it's there. That is designer. The next word, builder. The builder is the person that has the power and the know-how to get the job done. And here's what the preacher's saying to his people, that God is the designer. He wrote the plan for your life. God is the builder. He's the one that will make sure the plan is followed. And you put the two together. It makes it so that you can look into the future that our good God has a plan. And He has the power to fulfill His purpose in your life. Look, your faith, your faith in Christ will see you through. Will you join me this evening or this morning as we close in a word of prayer? With your heads bowed this morning, let's go to the Lord. And as we do, I want to invite you just to listen for a moment. I know there are men and women here that will not be able to take the Lord's Supper today. Because you are either not in fellowship with God as one of His children living in rebellion or you are not a Christian. You've heard what the Bible says. Today can be a day of repentance and salvation. Today can be a day of change. The next song we're going to sing, it's a song of worship. It is also a song of response. Here at Hickory Grove, our pastors will be right down front. We offer a time of visible response. If you'd like a pastor to pray with you or explain further what it means to give your life to Jesus, when we sing this morning, we'll invite you to come forward. You may have someone you just want to pray for. You just want to pray that God would save that person's soul. It's a good time to do that as we sing. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessings of grace. God, help us to be obedient. God, call wayward children home. Pray that you would make rebels into your own children through the blood of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. you stand, please, as we sing together?